This is our second session now on Ephesians 4, 1-6. I, therefore, Paul says, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthily of the calling to which you have been called. And I put these in different colors because I want to spend one session on the yellow and one session on the orange. That is, this is the act, right? The act of calling, God's act. He called us. This is the, what, the goal, shall we say? Or the hope? As we see down here in um, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in the one hope of your calling. So I want to know what the act is and what the goal or the outcome of the act is. Because my guess is that if you ask Paul, does this walking worthily of the calling to which you were called mean that our walk will be transformed by what we're called to or the way we have been called, I think Paul's going to say yes. <laughs> In other words, how you were called and what you're called to is going to make a difference. First Corinthians 1, Paul says, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise as if to consider how did he set his call on you? Okay, so that's what I'm going to do in this session is focus on this right here. Father, teach us what the act of your calling is in our lives. This is one of those great doctrinal realities that most people do not know about, and therefore it's difficult for them to walk in a way worthily of it because they don't even think about it or have any idea what they're talking about when they say, God called me. Teach us, God, I pray, so that we live worthily of our calling. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is, the, what is the act of being called by God? So, let's go back to chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, and notice that there's a walking here, and there is a walking here. They are radically, totally different walkings, and something happened in between. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. So there's dead, dead people walking. Spiritually dead people walk plenty. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, when we were dead, there's the dead, and there's the dead, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. So there's an act of God. He made us alive when we were dead walking in deadness. By grace you have been saved. 
So there's the act that changed us from that walking to this walking. For we are his workmanship. Indeed, he made us alive. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I'm suggesting here, just for your consideration, I can't prove it yet, I hope I will show it very likely at least, that between walking in deadness and walking as new creatures in Christ, as God's workmanship, this divine act happened. God made us alive. And I'm going to suggest that is God's calling. That's the act of call. He made us alive. Like, it would be an analogy, John 11. Lazarus is dead four days. Jesus is about to raise him from the dead. When Jesus had said these things, he cried out, cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That's a call to a dead man. Dead men can't hear. Dead men can't obey. Dead men can't do anything unless the call creates life. The man who had died came out. There it is. The call of Jesus creates obedience in dead people. They walk out of tombs, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And I'm suggesting this is a picture of the call of God, the act of God's call, when we are saved. When he changes us from being dead men walking to being new creatures in Christ. We come out of the tomb of unbelief into belief because of the call. Now here's the real argument that this is the way Paul thinks about this. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 22-24. Jews demand signs, Paul says. Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. And when we preach, now this preaching here is a general word, right? To both Jew and Gentile. They both hear, right? They both are listening to this preaching. One is listening skeptically and demanding signs, and the other is listening skeptically and seeking wisdom. And instead of giving them a sign and giving them uh, philosophical wisdom, he, he gives them Christ crucified. And what's the result? The result is that Christ is a stumbling block to Jews, oh, stumbling block here, stumble, and folly, so they think it's foolish. So both are stumbling. One is stumbling over a crucified Messiah, the other stumbling over a crucified person who rises from the dead. They, they think, the Gentiles think this is ridiculous, and the Jews think this is unthinkable, but to those who are called, now this is different from 
the general preaching that you could call a call to everybody. He's calling everybody to believe on Jesus, on the crucified Messiah. And all of them are responding in a negative way until a calling happens. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Something happens owing to that calling, and it's what happened to Lazarus. These folks are dead in trespasses and sins. In their deadness, they stumble, and they regard Jesus as foolish. Inside the word of this preaching goes a spiritual, almighty word from God, and some of them live. And in living, they see, and in seeing, they know, oh my goodness, I've been wrong, so, so wrong. Christ is not foolishness and stumbling block. He's power. Christ is not foolishness and stumbling block. He is the very wisdom of God, and they are saved. Paul describes this calling like this in Romans 8. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is, those who are saved, those who are made alive. For those whom he foreknew, chose for himself, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. Everyone who is predestined for glory is called. And everyone who is called, those whom he called, he justified. And everyone who is justified, he glorified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. There are no dropouts here. You go from the foreknown to the predestined, to the called, to the justified, to the glorified. This is a golden chain of absolute security in God's eternal plans for the salvation of his elect. So calling here is the act of God that he performs, and all of them are justified. And we know that the justification is by faith alone. And therefore, the fact that all the called are justified means all the called believe, because that's what he creates when he calls. That's what we saw in 1 Corinthians 1. So the act of calling is God's raising spiritually dead people to life and faith, and then I'm going to add a phrase, through the gospel. And the fact that the gospel is a preached gospel with words is why I think the word calling is used for this raising of the dead. 
And you can see that in 1 Peter 1.23. You have been born again. That is, made alive. This is just another way of talking about Ephesians 2.5. He made us alive. We've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. And this Word is the Gospel the good news that was preached to you. So, when in verse 1 it says, I, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthily of the calling to which you have been called, this is an act of God by which, in verse 5 of chapter 2, we were raised from the dead, and it happened through the Word of God preached in the Gospel, which is why it can be called a calling, even though it's a massive act of supernatural life-giving.